This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. So honored to be here with you, so blessed to worship together with you. If you're a guest, we're honored to have you, and all you regulars, I'm glad to see you. If you need a Bible, why don't you lift your hand, and our ushers would gladly put the sword of the Spirit within your hand. And again, I like to say it this way, you get in the Word and God will get into you. Once you go to, I've got a Bible, go with me way back in the New Testament to 1 John. 1 John chapter 1 is where we'll begin. Bless all of you. Um, just today, you're going to get a, a pretty good dose of the truth. And the goal here is to, to help us, to set us free. So just be open to the scriptures, okay? Be open to the word of God. And I, I believe God will touch your heart today as you're turning to 1 John 1. This last week we got over into forgiveness and remember the apostle Peter said there to the Lord Jesus in Matthew 18, he said, how many times do I got to forgive someone who wrongs me? Up to seven times? And the Lord Jesus looked back and responded and said, no, I say to you 70 times seven. In other words, you're going to have to make this thing called forgiveness limitless, or it's going to have to be a part of your daily life, day by day by day. And remember we studied there in John 16 that in this world, you will have offenses. It's not if offenses come, it's just what do I do with offenses? So I I liken this with forgiveness. A lot of times it's like money. We sure like to get it, but we really don't like to give it. And so we've got to get a hold of this today because I can live with unforgiveness, but there's consequences to it that aren't good. So we begin in the book of 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message or the life-giving gospel which we have heard from him. And we declare to you that God is light. The word light there has the meaning that God is good, he's pure, he's true, he's holy. And in him is no darkness, no evil or sin at all. There's no darkness in God in any shape, pattern, or form. God is the definition, again, of true and perfect and holy. If we say that we have fellowship with him, but we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So he said, you, you claim to be in covenant with God, but you court sin daily or day after day. It knocks you out of the fellowship we are to have with God. Verse seven, but if we walk in the light, now remember, the light has the ability to reflect everything, to reflect what, what's dark. And he says, so, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one another, And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, the blood is the agency for cleansing, for forgiveness, and for redemption. The price that Jesus' blood was shed for me and you. So when it comes to sin, I believe the blood of Jesus is the great stain stick to sin. It's the only thing that can blot out my sin, that can wash me. Verse eight. If we say that we have no sin, 
we deceive ourselves or do we delude ourselves, we lead ourselves astray and the truth is not in us if we say that we have no sin. So the seriousness of sin is what he's talking about. Verse nine, if, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, this is a basic truth that we all must get and understand today. All people are sinners by nature and by practice. And so, when I get born again, part of the process of getting born again, not only do I give Jesus my heart and ask him to come in and be Lord, I ask him to forgive me of my sins, my past, my present, and my future. But when it comes to this thing called sin, sin is the only thing that keeps my fellowship from God from happening. So when it talks about confessing our sin, this should be one of the greatest daily vitamins I partake of every day. That with a heart of, of repentance, I, I sorrowfully say, Father God, I, I repent of my sin. I confess my sin. And again, that's not to gain his acceptance but what happens is when we get over to sin, there's a barrier that takes place and it keeps us from fellowshipping with him like he desires. So here's the assignment. Wear out 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Where I go before Father God and I, I confess my sin. I ask him to wash me and I ask him to forgive me. And when I obey 1 John 1, 9, this is what happens. This is the goal for every one of us to see in our, our life in this, that God forgives and God cleanses. Yes. Now, turn with me back into the Psalms, to Psalm 103. Psalms 103. Something happens when I, I confess my sin before God. Again, I believe it's part of a robe of humility that we put on. But also, man, there's victory in repentance. Psalms 103 and when you get there, I'm going to be in verse number one. And he goes on to say here, this is King David, Psalm 103, verse one. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, I bless his holy name. All that's within me, Lord, I, I bless your holy name. Verse two. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now, you may not be aware of this, but you got some benefits. But these benefits do me no good unless I know what they are and I know how to utilize them. Now, I'm not going to get into all of them today, but if you were to look, verse 3, 4, 5, there's roughly six of them in there. I encourage you to study these. But he said, forget not my benefits. Now, when you go to apply for a job, one of the things you ask is, well, what's your benefit package? Do you have retirement? Do you have health care? Do you have a, a vacation? And so we want to know what our, our, our benefit package is. Well, again, right here in the kingdom of God, he said, don't forget your benefits. Verse 3, who forgives all your iniquities. The word iniquity is rooted in an inward sin that has been passed down from generation. 
Better stated, Exodus 20, verse 5, the iniquities of the father are passed to the children to the third and the fourth generation. So in this life, and I believe every one of us in here have some form of generational iniquities. And what I mean by that is you're bent in that direction toward that. Have you ever noticed patterns of, of sin in your family bloodline? It's probably happening, but note right here, he said he forgives all our iniquities. That word forgive means he pardons to relieve someone of the burden of their offense. So he forgives all our iniquities. You had a good chance to say amen there. I'm very grateful that he still forgives our iniquities. That's the first part of our benefit package. Keep reading. Who heals all your disease? Wow. I don't know if you knew that was in your benefit package, but you may want to highlight the word all. He heals all your diseases. Now, when it goes back to the forgiving of iniquities, remember the only way that takes place is for me to confess it and ask him to forgive me of that. So when I begin to walk that out, something begins to happen. I really believe since this is the very first one that's mentioned, I believe the rest of our benefit package hangs on this first one or it hinges on the first one. If I don't, if I don't confess and ask him to forgive me, it clogs up the things of God. So that's the very first thing he says, but I want you to skip the same chapter into verse number 10. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. And we ought to really shout it on that one. The reason I say this in this verse, we don't get what we deserve. How many of you are, pre I'm, I'm so, I don't get what I deserve. pertaining to sin. Verse 11. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. His mercy says, again, I don't get what I, I, I deserve. Verse 12. Now watch real close. As far as the east is from the west, as far as the sunrise is from the set, uh, sunset, so far has he removed completely forgiven our transgressions from us. Now the word transgression is rooted in an outward act. The word transgression has the meaning you've trespassed. So to help you understand the word transgression, it would be like if we came onto some property and there was a sign that said, no trespassing. But you hopped the fence and still went in there. Now you've transgressed. So that's what the transgression is. So when you see in verses 10, verse 12, he, he lists the three types of sin. Sin, transgression, and iniquities. But it's incredible here. It says he's removed them completely, totally. Thank God I'm forgiven. Now I want to give you a little illustration here, and I want you to be able to picture this because I think at times in our lives as, as human beings, we have a difficulty with the very thought that I'm forgiven totally and completely. So I believe at times in our life, it's like in heaven, there's this massive LED chalkboard. 
and it has your name written by it. And then next to it, it has the dates. And then it would be something like this. In 2016, you had 135 tallies in this area. And then in 2018, you had 220 tallies. But in 2020, in the year of COVID, oh my gosh, your tallies went over to 1,000. But here's what I want you to see. As big as that LED screen is, and you have the thought that all my sins are tallied up there, when God says he forgives you, he takes this massive eraser, and every tally is wiped away. Completely, totally. So when God says your sin is far as from the east, from the west, that's what he means. And I believe it's very important for us to understand that our Heavenly Father, His nature is to forgive us totally and completely. God wants to forgive us. Now remember, that word forgive means to pardon. It means to release. And so the way that happened for us is our our Lord and Savior Jesus He actually paid the price for every one of us and God charged his son with our debt. This must be a truth we gotta get. God released you. He pardoned you. Thank God. But Matthew 10, verse eight, the Lord Jesus said this, freely you receive, freely give. So I said a minute ago that our Father's nature is to forgive. If he's truly my heavenly Father, my nature needs to be that as his to forgive. Now look with me in the book of Matthew chapter 7. And I'm going to take you on just a little bit of journey here today to help us not to throw stones at anyone. But I believe God's wanting to do a work in people's lives in here right now. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 1. You'll notice here, this is red letter words the Lord Jesus said. Judge not. That word judge there has the meaning don't criticize or don't condemn that you not be judged, criticized, or condemned is what he's getting here too. So he's telling me and you, refuse to be a critic. Now I'm not exception to this rule and neither are me and you. And oftentimes we feel like, well, I'm justified to judge. I'm justified to criticize. You need to listen real close to this passage here. Verse two. For with what judgment or condemnation you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, literally, this is the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 7, which says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. So if I sow judgment, and I am critical, and I am condemning, that's what I'm going to reap back. Now, I don't know about you. I don't want to reap that junk back. 
Verse 3. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? That small particle that's fault finding. But do not consider the plank in your own eye. Let me help you with that word plank. That timber. That telephone pole. In your own eye. And so what he's getting over here is he's warning us very strong. Quit focusing on the problems of others that I have a critical eye. And with a critical eye comes a critical heart. Now if you've ever studied the the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Criticism's not one of them, okay? I I don't want to have that. In my heart is what he's getting over here to. The the Bible says love keeps no record of a wrong. Now let me ask you something. In your life, have you become a great accountant when it comes to uh, keeping precise and detailed records of other people's wrongs? Let me ask you a question here. Do you lay in bed at night thinking about the wrongs people have done to you? Is your center of conversation, is it to talk about the wrongs people have done to you? Over and over. So what begins to happen in my life as a human being, I think about it, think about it, think about it. I talk about it, talk about it. I think about it, think about it, talk about it, talk about it until I'm consumed with this thing and before long trying to fix you is what kills me. And we get into this endless cycle that you hurt me, now I'm gonna hurt you back. Now this is what he's getting over to right here. But in Colossians 3.13, the apostle Paul said, forgive as your father forgave you. Now, there's a truth in this that we got to get a hold of today, okay? I'm going to go a lot deeper right here. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And you, you got to see these passages of scriptures. And the goal is, again, only the truth sets us free. I'm just preparing you right here. This may be a hard dose of truth today, but you want to hear it, Okay. I'm going to give you a vaccination of the truth. Just receive this today, okay? The reason I'm highlighting this, we all live by the same rules in this area, okay? Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, talking about the pioneers of faith, the veterans in faith, maybe your family members in heaven, they're cheering us on right now. And he goes on to say, let us lay aside every weight. Let go of every wound that has pierced us. Now, when he gets over on these weight here, he's talking about anything that tries to hinder our progress. I'm going to jump into a little farther of verse 1 because it tells us we're in this race. And later on it says, run this race with endurance. So he's saying, get rid of any weight, anything that would hinder your progress. So you're in this weight, you're in this race, and you have this weight. You've got this 50-pound vest on you. 
What's it going to cause to happen? You're going to wear out. You're not going to make it. So he said, be careful with these weights. And then he goes on to say, and the sin, and the sin, sin is a weight which so easily ensnares us, clings to us, and entangles us. But let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And this is what the Lord Jesus is telling us. We're in this race. Same chapter, verse 12. Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Now when he talks about strength, Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. The things in my life that are weak, that are hanging down, ask God to strengthen you. Lord, I welcome your strength today. Verse 13. And make straight paths for your feet. Stay on God's path so that what is lame may not be dislocated. Now think about that word dislocated. If something in your physical body is dislocated, it's still there. It just needs to be back into place. How many of you have ever had a finger that's dislocated? Maybe a shoulder that's dislocated. Until it was put back into place, it caused a lot of pain. This is what he's saying. These areas in our life that have been dislocated, get back in order. And he goes on to say, but rather be healed. Verse 14. Pursue peace with all people. Is that possible? Well, he wouldn't have put it in there if it wasn't. Pursue peace with all people. And holiness. The word holy literally means living a holy life. And pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Peace and holiness. Grace me in this area, Father God. Verse 15. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. I don't want to fall short of the grace of God. I welcome the grace of God. I need the grace of God. That statement there literally means they've departed from the faith. Now watch this here in verse 15. Lest any root of bitterness springs up. Lest any root of bitterness springs up. It grows to resentment. This jealousy, this dissension, this anger. Unless the root of bitterness springs up. Now, think about something just for just a second with that thought. When you talk about a root, in order to be a root, it's had to be in the ground for a while. I believe the root of bitterness It springs from a thing called unforgiveness, that I have unforgiveness in my heart that I don't get rid of. And so after a duration or period of time, this root of bitterness starts taking root in me. Watch the consequences right here. And it springs up and causes trouble. It has the ability to cause trouble. And by this, the root of bitterness, many 
many, 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 Mark Benny, many, many, many become defiled. They become contaminated. They become poisoned. They have this bitter torment within them. So a heart that's absorbed with hate, hurt, and anger. Now when he says trouble and they become defiled, this is the lasting consequences that takes place with the root of bitterness. I'm not exempt from this. And you're not exempt from this. The only way to get rid of the root of bitterness is for me to forgive from my heart. I don't want to do that. We'll hang on to the root of bitterness. Because it's going to ultimately cause trouble. And it will contaminate. I don't care who you are. I've shared this story for years. And the reason I share it is because it hits to the point real real uh, quick and clear. This church has been going for a little over 20 years now. And when we first started, we were having church right here on the South Loop at the Holiday Inn. Church at the Holiday Inn, wow. And I remember the church began to go, and before long, this this short lady started coming to church. She'd show up with her Bible. Week after week, she showed up. And then we moved to off of Q in the Briarcroft Court. And that's where church was. And before long, this, this woman's husband began to come and she stayed with us and stayed with us. And fast forward about five years after that, I get a call one day and I, I knew she had been dealing with some physical problems. And so she called and asked if she could speak to me and I said, absolutely. So I called her back and she said, They've diagnosed me with stomach cancer. She said, they found a tumor in my stomach the size of a volleyball. And she said, Pastor, I believe the word of God. God heals our diseases. She said, I believe in the anointing me with oil and laying hands on me and I'll be healed. She said, would you please come to the hospital and do that? I said, I'm in. I'll be there. So that appointment was set for that afternoon. And so I came in here at lunch and began to pray. And probably about the last 10 minutes, I asked the Lord to anoint me. I said, Lord, anoint your servant. That when I go and pray over this woman, that your your miracle power, Your power to heal would be prevalent. I said, Lord, I I yield to your power. And so I I say that and I'm walking in here and in this still small voice, I hear these words, don't pray for her. And so when I first heard it, I thought, wait a minute, what? And I hear it again, don't pray for her. 
So I finish praying, I go over and I get in my car and I'm on my way up to Covenant. And this is 20 years ago, but it's still very clear in, in my, my mind. So I'm, I'm on my way down there and I'm praying, Lord, I thank you for your healing power. And I hear him say again, don't pray for her. So I pull into the parking garage and back then you had to walk across this bridge. And so I'm walking across the bridge and the closer I'm getting to the hospital is going in, the, the stronger and the more uh, authoritative don't pray for her gets. So I stroll right through the lobby and I'm going to the East Tower and I remember getting on the, the elevator and I punch the sixth floor. And as I'm on my way going up there, the Lord specifically says, don't pray for her. I mean, now it's real authoritative. So the door of the elevator opens and I get off. And you know what? I'm not into praying courtesy prayers. You know what a courtesy prayer is? I'm going to pray for you, but I know nothing's going to happen. And I'm not into let's fake it till we make it. So I knock on the door and I hear this voice, come in. And I walk in. She pops up in her bed and got her Bible and she looks at me and she says, Whoo, pastor, I'm so glad you're here. She said, I'm so blessed that you would come and anoint me with oil and pray for me and God would heal me. And I stopped and I looked at her and I said, I'm not going to pray for you. And I said, the Lord told me don't pray for you, that he's dealt with you for years, that you have a spirit of unforgiveness in you. And until you take care of that. And so when I said that, she rose up and the whole atmosphere in the room changed. And it was like a volcano getting ready to erupt. She goes, I will never forgive him. I'll go to my grave before I'll forgive that man. I want to highlight something on what I just said. It's very apparent that some man in her life had really hurt her, had really wounded her, had really offended her. But that wasn't the issue. The issue was she wouldn't forgive him. And because she wouldn't forgive him, there was a root of bitterness that was in her heart. How did it end, Pastor? Not good. I looked at her and I said, I wash my hands of this. All I am is the messenger boy. And I left. See, the consequences of the root of bitterness. Turn with me to one more passage, to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and as you're turning there, I don't celebrate when I preach on things like these. So, sometimes I, I, I tug a war with God. I'm like, Father God, I don't want to preach on that stuff. I want people to like me. I want people to leave the church. 
I mean, people get mad at you for stuff like this. But he always reminds me, only the truth sets people free. Only the truth. Now, we, we all play by the same rules here, guys, okay? I'm, I'm not exempt from this. What's the significance of this? Watch this, Ephesians 4, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Don't cause distress to the Spirit of God. He, he wouldn't have warned us about this if this wasn't possible. He goes on to say, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You were marked, you were branded as gods. Now watch this. Let all bitterness, whoa, 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 whoa. When I get over into bitterness, does this grieve the Holy Spirit? And what I see in the rest of verse 31 is all these things that I'm going to mention next are byproducts of the root of bitterness. Now watch what he says. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor which is loud quarreling and evil speaking be put away from you. And he ends with, with all malice. You know what that means? That means ill will. You know what ill will says? I hate your guts. I pray you die. And so right here when I read this, I realize I can grieve the Holy Spirit when I hang on to bitterness and unforgiveness. And listen again, I'm not saying you weren't hurt. We've all been hurt. But I can't hang on to this. So look, look what is prescribed in verse 32. And B, don't just think about it, but be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You know what I realize? I stopped the things of God from happening in my life. And every one of us in this room have been hurt. I hate to tell you this, but you're going to get hurt again. Why? Hurting people want to hurt people. So it's what the Lord said in John 16, 33. He said, in this world, you're going to have offenses. They're going to come. So the issue isn't if they're going to come. It's what do I do with them? So in this, I'm, I'm either going to live in verse 31 and I'm going to be bitter and I'm going to spew, and you're going to hear me when I spew, or I can live in verse 32 where I say, Father God, grace me. Grace me with kindness. Grace me to be tenderhearted. Grace me to forgive as you forgave me. I'm going to ask you to stand up. hope some of you are thinking, I wish I wouldn't have come to church today. The, the reason I'm speaking on this is I've sensed, I've sensed for several weeks God's wanting to do stuff in our lives. I said our lives. 
He's wanting to do things. I ask you to bow your head. Just close your eyes. Now, this, this, this is between you and God of all ages. I'm going to ask you a question right now. Have you grieved the Holy Spirit? Have you grieved the Holy Spirit? Do, do any of the words of, of bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, do any of those... Do they describe your life right now? And if they do, I'm going to give you a little insight. Has your benefit package been suspended? Has your benefit package been put on hold because the Lord's saying, until you get rid of that root of of bitterness, I, I can't move in your life like I desire. I want to move. So I'm going to ask you to do something big today, not for my good, but for yours. That if you know in your heart you've grieved the Holy Spirit, if you know in your heart I've got bitterness, I've got unforgiveness. I got ill will against people. I'm going to ask you to come forward when they get when they get ready to sing right here. You can come right now if you want. I'm good with it. But you come and here's the deal. I got to get before Father God and I said, Father God, I ask you today, grace me to release this, Father God. Grace me that today through my confession that that root of bitterness will be pulled up today. You know what? It doesn't bother me if you come down here every week and say, I I need help today. I, I, I welcome this today, Father God. So as our team gets ready to sing here, and you've got to talk to God just like that. You release that and you tell him, Father God, that that root of bitterness I have between so-and-so, I let it go today. Go ahead, guys. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.